0: Welcome to the People of Pathology podcast. I'm Dennis Strank. On this podcast, I speak with the interesting people in pathology, laboratory medicine, and forensic medicine. This episode is going to be very different. I've teamed up with the hosts of Deeper Levels, Computational Yours, PathPod, ScopeMD, and Dead Men Do Tell Tales. And we talk about all things podcasting. We talk about how we got started, and we tell a few jokes, too. This one was a lot of fun. And I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I did recording it.
1: Hello, I'm Natalie Benet,
0: And I'm Dennis Strank. And this is
1: Megapod. (laughs) So this is a very special episode for all of us. We decided it would be fun to get together with some of the other podcasts in science and medicine and talk about our experiences in podcasting and some other things too.
0: We've each prepared a couple of questions for the group, and we'll take turns answering them and see where it goes from there.
1: Okay, so first, let's all introduce ourselves and say a few words about our podcasts. I'll go first. My name is Natalie Benet. I am an academic physician um, and pathologist in Rhode Island. My podcast is called Deeper Levels, and really what I cover is medicine and science and related topics and things that are interesting to me. My shows have pretty much run the gamut. At the beginning, I was covering a lot of things about COVID. Lately, I've been diving into areas as varied as medical education and health inequity. And now I'll leave it to Dennis.
0: Okay. I'm Dennis Strank. I'm a pathologist assistant, and I host the People of Pathology podcast. Uh, I speak with interesting people in pathology, lab medicine, and forensic medicine, and I've had on pathologists, pathologist assistants, histotech, cytotechs, some yeah. clinical laboratory scientists as well. And in the future, I'm hoping to have more people on from different countries as well.
2: We're Computationally Yours. I'm Dr. Sabha Kadri. I am a director of bioinformatics and a pathology faculty, basically. I'll let Arshi take it from here.
3: Hi, everyone. Arshi Arora, uh, Computationally Yours, as Sabha mentioned. Uh, so we are a weekly podcast series. And what we are trying to do at Computationally Yours is that we're aiming to make science more accessible. And we discuss advanced topics in computational biology, biomedical sciences, and beyond and everything related.
2: Yeah. And our episode formats are very different. We keep surprising ourselves. Sometimes it's interviews with people in the field. We've done pathology series that's currently ongoing, actually, different kinds of precision medicine related things. But we've also done things on microbial genomics,
4: COVID, etc., I'm Sarah Jang, and I'm with PathPod, and our PathPod came out of initially the path elective that was started by Kamran Mirza, who unfortunately was unable to be here tonight. And what our goal is really to share the enthusiasm for the field of pathology and share the voices of pathologists in different levels of training and practice... And our show really has a number of segments from PathPod Stories, sharing, again, people's stories, to the quiz show, which is kind of a almost NPR-style quiz show about pathology, IHC Talk, which is about IHC with people with interests there, Beyond the Scope, talking in-depth with pathologists about their careers and interests outside of pathology as well, and uh, PathPod News Edition with timely updates about pathology-related topics, and my some of my co-hosts are Michael Arnold and Christina Arnold, and I'll let them introduce themselves.
5: Hi, everyone. I'm Christina Arnold from the University of Colorado, and I agree with everything that Sarah said, so I'm going to pass it over to Mike.
6: I'm Mike Arnold. I'm Christina's husband, and I'm an anatomic pathologist at Children's Hospital Colorado, and I think Sarah did a fantastic recap of what PathPod's been all about.
7: I'm Lori Ryan, host of Scope MD. I'm a practicing pathologist, private practice in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I created Scope MD because I really wanted to look at really the range of challenges and opportunities for women in healthcare. And I'm really interested in innovative approaches uh, that women have to both the challenges and opportunities that we that we have in healthcare.
8: Hi, my name is Nicole Kroom. I'm a fourth year APCP resident,
9: and I will be doing a forensic pathology fellowship next year. And I'm Jordan Taylor. I'm same exact thing that Nicole's just said. And we're the hosts of Dead Men Do Tell Tales. It's a podcast about forensic pathology related topics. And we started this podcast because a lot of the murder related podcasts don't do a really good job of showing off what actual medicine and then forensic pathology is around these topics. So we thought it would be fun to one, learn as we go, and two, to shed some light to both science and non-science people on what pathology is actually like, and specifically forensic pathology. So
1: I think we've all introduced ourselves, and now the format is going to move to each of us have prepared questions. So I will start with my question, and then we'll go around, and everyone will answer. My question for everyone, um, because we're all podcasters, is, what is the process you use to research and prepare for your shows? So Dennis, I'll go to you first.
0: I do a lot of, you know, I use Twitter and LinkedIn and a lot of Google searches to research the guests that I'm going to be, that I'll be talking to. So do that and I create an outline of questions or topics that I'd like to talk about. I don't, I don't let the guests tell me what they want to talk about. I tell them and of course, they can they can change it if, if they like. I use that. And, uh, you know, I send that to the guest a, a few days or a week before we record. And I'll um, I like to script out the first, I don't know, question or two of what I want to talk about, just because when you turn on the microphone and you start recording, you forget what to say. So that sort of avoids that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's ever going to go away. That still happens to me as well. Right. <laughs> so, Sabas, for us, I think it differs
2: because like I've mentioned we do different kinds of episode formats. We have done some really in-depth technical episodes where we've gone into we've talked about like, the human genome project or we've talked about uh, we've talked about genetic variation and things like that when we're doing those kind of episodes i think those are quite stressful because we want to be very accurate so we do a lot of research i think we've read a lot of scientific papers going into these things because these are topics that we know about but when you start talking about it and doing a really in-depth episode you want to you know there are things that you've kind of know, but you want to be very, very accurate. Mm-hmm. And in terms of interviews, I think we tend to, we're a little bit more open. We let our guests also tell us a little bit about what they might want to talk about. And then in terms of, we'll script the basic flow of the episode for sure in, in those interview episodes. Arshi, do you want to add anything else?
3: Um, the other, uh, just like uh, Ashaba was talking about formats of episodes, we lately experimented with a different format where we are covering uh, a profile of scientific geniuses. So we pick uh, someone who's like really known in the field and kind of like go deeper into their life journey, and I've mm-hmm. covered that aspect. So that requires other type of research. Uh, yeah, I will other say, than an interview.
1: Yeah, I've listened to your podcast and I am impressed. <clears throat> thank,
3: thank you. By the scientific
1: depth, because. Like you said, you think you can talk about something intelligently because you're a physician or you're a PhD or you're, you know, a scientist. And then when you really think about, wait, I'm going to be on record. Someone's going to be listening to this. I got to read every paper that was ever written by every single person who's, you know, and and then you're like, wait a minute, that's crazy, you know, but then you have to find that medium. So I thought you all. You all do a very good job. Thank you, Magli. Yes, the PathPod people now. So I can start because I think my preparation is
4: actually a little bit different because Mm -hmm. we have our quiz show, which is honestly Mm -hmm. my reason for getting into podcasting because I love word games (laughs) and quizzes. (laughs) The thing that I probably um, spend the most time on is just coming up with ridiculously bad pathology-related puns to uh, torture our resident (laughs) contestants with. (laughs) For the interviews, they're much more freeform. I have a couple of things that I say... Um, I send to the interviewee ahead of time and say, hey, here's some things I'm likely to ask you about. Mm-hmm. And I ask, I actually make it very open for them if there's something they want to talk about, because even though my guests are people that I am kind of aware of, I kind of know what's going on. They always surprise me with other interests or hobbies or stories. And I think for me, that's that's part of the delightfulness of the interview is just seeing what comes out of it. Yeah,
5: yeah. So I am the co-host with Sarah for the quiz show, and I have a very, um, I don't do, I I do as little as possible right before we go on. (laughs) So I kind of impressed myself. I actually did my script today instead of waiting for Monday, but I'm on Frozen's on Monday, so that's going to be a little bit of a crazy day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't do a whole lot of preparation um, my segment's really small, though. I I just give the quiz for the medical student questions. I give them five questions, and I get ha, bought a Robbins and a USMLE Step 1 review guide to kind of focus on the content that's relevant to them. The very first episode, I learned that my biggest job for my little monkey mind is just to focus. Mm-hmm. So my very first episode. I hadn't had breakfast yet, so I brought my oatmeal, and I just thought, well, I'll eat and then when it's my time, I'll stop eating. And it was just, I don't know, if Sarah, if you knew this, but it was oh my kind gosh. of- So Christina, um, <laughs> is
4: selling herself short. She brings the personality to the quiz show.
5: I bring the bad puns,
4: and she's very good at getting um, just the most hilarious content and stories out of our guests.
5: I love you, Sarah. So yeah, so I just try to focus so that I can ask a question. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's about it. How about you, Mike?
6: So the most content I've been working on has been for the IHC talk segments with Andrew Balisi and Sonam Lugavi and I've really been spoiled by working with those guys because they do some amazing prep and really dig deep and do a lot of reading and a lot of uh, you know research on what they're going to ask and mm-hmm. come with a list of questions and I, I kind of take Christina's approach showing up late to, to the party in that regard. Uh, I've leaned heavily on editing to make uh, my, myself seem like I know what I'm talking about, nope. uh, so the secret's out now, I guess.
1: There is a, a benefit to being the one who edits the podcast, yes. I guess, since yeah. I'm a, a one one stop shop. I don't have that problem, but uh, yeah, so it's it, a big
6: point. It, yeah. It's happened several times that I said, "Hey, you know, let's let's go back and l- let me ask you a question that I'll put earlier in the episode." And um, So I've done several things like that with IHC Talk. That's Mm-hmm. Helped it. Sound. Mostly, I
1: just edit out all the four thousand times I say um. So <laughs> it's always the oh, ums.
5: Only four thousand. Yeah. wow I'm, I'm 4, I'm I will <laughs> tell you that
1: I've helped other people now edit their podcasts, and I just now I sort my friends into you're a you know person, you're an um person, <laughs> uh, person. Everybody oh has their God. own verbal crutch, so for sure.
9: I don't know if you guys have this,
1: but like, can you identify the ums? When they're yes. About- you yes. can pick out
7: the waveform. Yes. 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 But I, yes.
1: I have found you actually yes. have to listen because if you don't, sometimes someone else is saying something during your um, and if you chop it, then it ends up sounding very strange. So you have to.
5: Something else that I found with the script that Natalie pointed me to, I don't know if you've tried this, Natalie, but there's a function you can drop down and it'll delete your fillers. So in one click, it deletes yeah. most of them, yeah. not all of them. Yeah.
1: I, yeah, it is. It's, It's a very helpful, it's like editing for those of us who don't like editing. So that's true. (laughs) Lori, it's your from Scope MD. You're next.
7: Yeah, so I really use a potpourri approach. Mm -hmm. I talk to a lot of colleagues in different specialties, nurses, lab techs, to get ideas as far as what are things that, specifically what are things people might be struggling with. Mm -hmm. But I also will scan different journals. My husband's an internal medicine doc, so we get a a variety of journals in the house, and I scroll Mm -hmm. through those to get ideas. And I actually... I'm kind of old school. I actually get three papers that I read every day, like the real paper that comes to the house and actually mm-hmm. I get some really good ideas from the paper, because mm-hmm. a lot of them, you know, they'll have health sections. So it's kind of a, a mixed of different approaches that I use.
1: Dead Men Do Tell Tales. You, you all are up next.
8: Yeah. So most of the time, the topics that we choose are kind of amenable to this structure that I've come up with for when I'm doing research. Mm -hmm. So I always start out with looking at epidemiology Mm -hmm. and look at the role of the medical examiner or coroner specifically within that topic. And then Mm -hmm. we always do a story at the end. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of the flow that I go with. Although I tend to fall down a lot of research rabbit holes because I'm like, oh, that is
1: so interesting. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm.
8: I've read five papers and it's been 10 hours and I haven't done it. And you're
9: like,
1: I still have to write an outline.
9: (laughs) Yeah. I I have a very different approach. I kind of go with what Dennis says, which is I open Google and I type in our topic and I see what flushes out. And then I, without doubt, end up on Wikipedia first and my outline becomes whatever Wikipedia's outline is. Uh And then I fill it in with stuff. flush it out. Yeah. Um, And then as Nicole said, we always do like if we're doing um, like sharp force injuries, we'll do a story about sharp force injuries at the end, like a murder on that. And so like, I'll usually go to Murderpedia and like type in stabbing or something like that and find something and then read (laughs) that and then go back and Google that same topic. Um, and then I, I will, just like how
1: you're like well, about sharp force injuries, as one does. Like we're all like, oh yeah, <laughs> sharp force our, injuries. Our <laughs> probably <Atlantis> and- <laughs> Yeah, you're probably on a watch list or something because of yeah. your Google searches. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah,
9: and I'm definitely in the procrastinators group of mm-hmm. this. Of this mm-hmm. i definitely in. Like the day before, like we're gonna record two episodes on Monday and tomorrow. It's
1: Saturday today. So tomorrow's gonna be my research day for those two episodes.
9: Well
8: yeah. my with me. So my That's research day is actually yeah, tomorrow.
1: <laughs> so you all record more than one at a time and have one in the can for when you're we've um, only
9: been doing it lately. So we uh-huh. release every two weeks and like yeah. Nicole's gonna be out of the um out of San Francisco for a little bit. So yeah. you know we have to get a couple in. But we found mm-hmm. that it's actually kind of nice when you do that because then you have like a month. Mm-hmm. That you don't have to record, which is yes, yeah. I I like doing that too as well. Although you and still have the to. Other add. thing that we do um mm-hmm. is because we're doing this for learning about forensics. We obviously you're going to do research anyway for the episode, but we really try to dive in because we're using this for learning before we start fellowship. Mm-hmm.
3: So mm-hmm.
9: there's like a kind of dual edged sword kind of thing going on. We get. Yeah out of
1: it. Yeah. Trying to cover all your topics, your your sharp force injuries and whatnot. Um, well I yeah. didn't
5: know there was a murderpedia, but I just looked it up and now now <laughs> oh, I know.
1: Right? Welcome to a new rabbit hole How just cool for you. That? Yeah. just Guess what, what I'm, I'm doing windows. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> oh. Dennis you're up.
0: Is there anything that you have learned about yourself from doing a podcast? Right.
1: Um I'm not
2: sure if if this counts really, but I think I've really learned that I've been in my head a lot. I, I tend to do that a lot, right? As scientists, we tend to think and overthink and overanalyze. I feel like I hadn't thought about it until this question came up where I was thinking what's changed. And I feel like I'm a little bit more, I'm letting go a little bit more. I'm being in the moment a little bit more than I used to be before. So I think that's the thing that I've discovered.
3: For me, I, I think uh, I'm Arshi. Um, I think it's that like, I often think faster than I speak. So for me to like, kind of match up the two speeds on how to speak and not speak slowly enough and not eat my words when I'm thinking very fast and not speaking uh, fast enough. Uh, so I've kind of uh, worked around with that where I'm like, thinking slowly as well and, and talking in the same manner as well.
0: Yeah, I actually have a post-it note, which I don't know where it is. Here. Mm. It says right there, slow down.
3: Uh, I should post that too. That's a good idea. Yeah.
1: It's a sign of a brilliant mind.
4: I have that same problem. So my the thing that I learned about myself, and honestly, I kind of always knew I'm a fast talker and I'm very loud. And because I have been doing some of the editing of my own interviews, I can actually see on the waveform where I That's laugh, me. chime in. <laughs> and if I want to edit something, I'm like, I have to slow down because I start talking even before the other person has finished talking. So, you know, they say there's two types of people. There's the listeners and the way to speak. Uh, I am definitely a not even wait to speak kind of person, which is terrible. And I'm working on that.
5: Oh, that's interesting. I, d- my first big lesson was that I am trying to edit while I speak now because I, I edited a show. It took 12 hours to edit for a 45-minute show. It was really, really painful. And it served me right because I created a lot of the junk content that we knew we were never going to air. So I've been trying to be a little more restrained. And when I also, I think editing though makes you a better podcaster because you start hearing how you sound from another, from outside of your head, which is very powerful. So I realized that in the shows, I often, I felt like I was monopolizing the conversation a lot. So I've really been trying to count to three, Christina, before you start in on something and let Sarah have a chance and, and um, to try to make it more balanced.
4: Don't worry, I'll just cut you off. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it works great.
6: So when we started this, I thought I was going to really be interested in learning a lot about pathology and different topics from other people's perspectives, but I found that I'm most drawn to people's personal stories and mm-hmm. what we've done mm-hmm. in the Beyond the Scope series and learning about people's hobbies and the rich lives they lead outside of their jobs. That's been really fascinating to me to to see how interesting that I found that.
7: Mm-hmm. I've learned to be comfortable with silence, which I think when you first start in podcasting, that's really uncomfortable for both you and if you have an interviewee. But I've learned if you just wait, some of the best content comes out of the silent moments where you just let your interviewee think a little bit more. And suddenly they're telling you, like you said, these personal great stories that if I would have cut them off, um, I wouldn't have gotten that insight about my guest. And, you know, like I said, it's really uncomfortable, but I'm learning and I feel like I'm in the process of mastering of just wait, just wait. And it's amazing. And plus, as I've learned to edit too, you know, all that time is going to go away. But when you first started, I felt really stressed out with the silence.
9: Two of the things that I learned about myself speaking wise is that I love saying, and that I really (laughs) take these long pauses between things that I say. And as I was editing it, I jokingly kept saying I was doing like the Captain Kirk And it was really bad at the beginning, and I've slowly gotten better, but it's definitely a little ridiculous. And the other thing I learned is the power of a good outline. At the beginning, we kind of just started talking about whatever we had independently researched, and like now we heavily go through a solid outline, and we rearrange our notes to make sure that we're organized going into it. And it's good that we come from two very different sides when we research, but at the same time, it makes it so... It's a little hodgepodge if we don't put that effort in its beginning. <laughs> yeah.
8: Yeah. And yeah, similar to Sarah and Jordan, I think the biggest thing I've learned about myself are my verbal ticks. There's this when I open my mouth, I make this very distinct <laughs> popping sound that you can see on the waveform. And it's like every time it comes up and then you can see um. my um wave after. And so it's No,
9: it's
1: the um-tick. Um-tick. um tick. Um tick. Oh that's very interesting. So the thing I would say I've learned about myself is that people are always interested to learn that I test as an introvert. When I take one of those personality tests, people people say, I can't believe that you're so outgoing. And what people don't realize is that it depletes me to talk to people, you know, when I come home at the end of the day when I was a resident, I remember coming home after like a late shift and just sort of staring at the wall, not even wanting to read or watch TV or anything. And now, you know, I have a family, and so that's not an option. And so sometimes when I'm going to do my podcast, I don't dread it, but i I have to I have to work myself up to do interviews with people. But when I leave the interview, I always feel, like I'm on cloud nine. I don't know if anybody else has that feeling after the show. So it's kind of like I go and it's, it's, it's sort of like the feeling I have about exercising. It's like (laughs) this feeling of like, Oh, do I really want to do this? And I've learned now to just not listen to that part of my brain because it's pretty loud and it can be a little domineering, but I just tell it like, I'm not listening to you. And the same thing is about podcasting. It's like, I'm not listening to you. This show is going to be great. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to talk to this person. And even though I don't know what it's going to end up like, you know, Laura, you you don't know where it's going to go. It's always great at the end, and something always happens that you don't expect. And then, you know, I think back on the all these people I've talked to and all these people I've met, including this lovely group of people. And you just think, if I hadn't forced myself to sort of leave my comfort zone, I never would have done this. You know, because if COVID right. hadn't hit, I wouldn't have sat down in front of this microphone and just like done it, even though I maybe didn't feel a thousand percent ready. So that's what I've learned about myself. <laughs> it's like exercising; just pull off the mandate <laughs> and do it. Right.
2: My question is, what was the biggest hurdle, if any, that you had to overcome to make your podcast a reality?
3: I think for us, it was kind of like working in this asynchronous manner. We've been friends for 10 years, but kind of like knowing this other side of my friend and also a co-host, it was not a hurdle at all. But I think just like, it was a different uh, kind of an experience to work with my friend like that. I think the biggest hurdle was just to have all these, like when we're going to release it, to have all the media ready. Uh, so we have a Twitter handle, we have an Instagram, we have a YouTube link and, and the website. So at the first it was a little overwhelming, but and later now on subsequent episodes, we're kind of getting used to the the pipeline of, of releasing an episode. So uh, that, that's for us. Got
2: smoother. Yeah, got Smoother as we went along. You know? Yep, yep, it
4: did. So I think for for me the biggest hurdle was that I had never edited audio. I had no idea how to go about putting podcasts together. And fortunately for me, I didn't actually have to solve that problem. So I'll kick it over to Mike to tell us a little bit about how he you know figured it all out.
6: Yeah, I I just did a lot of Google searching. And, yeah, and got and YouTube. Saw, yeah, and I saw what people you know, recommend it and what, what I thought would work. And I think because we had a really strong concept of, we wanted we had kind of an NPR theme in mind and I'd spent hours a day (laughs) listening to NPR because when we lived in Maryland, I was commuting two hours each way. And so I I got four hours of NPR at least each day. I had a pretty good sense of how I wanted to sound and what I wanted it to feel like. And, I think once we got past the first couple episodes and had some experience in how to make that happen, it was really easy to teach other people in the group, and we kind of shared some editing responsibility, and that really got us over the hump and and made us really productive.
5: And Mike, so I was the last one to edit. Mike figured it out. He taught me, and then I said, this is ridiculous. I can't believe this is what you've been doing this whole time. And then I wrote you guys and said, "How I'm looking for an editing software where it will quickly move things along. I mean, what we were using before, it was so cumbersome. You could break an hour-long segment into 70 cuts, and every time you made a cut, you had to move all 70 boxes over, for example. It was just, it was so unnecessarily extra. So I wrote, you guys and Natalie recommended Descript, and for me, that solved a lot of my issues. Um, so that was definitely the biggest stumbling block. When we were coming around to this idea, though, my I thought the, the biggest stumbling block is that we wouldn't find people to buy into the concept to help because we knew from the beginning we wanted this to be a large team effort. We wanted lots of people to generate content so that it wouldn't fall all on the shoulders of one or two people and we would have long-term success with it It was our goal and that wasn't a problem. We were actually able, there were a lot of people who thought it was interesting and who've joined and who have since, um, have continued to join. My second biggest concern was that we wouldn't find anyone who would listen because like who wants to listen to me for you know it's not just me but I thought who's going to want to listen to this there's there's so much other great content out there and we're nobody compared to all these really big famous you know Terry Gross and etc. And that wasn't a problem either. I felt like social media built this family and we so we said, hey family, we have this going on. Do you want to be a part of it? And I, and and so people have been there and that's been really surprising. Every time I, I look every week a couple of times, I think we're almost 19,000 downloads in starting May 1st, just a couple of months. And it blows my mind that 19,000 people have wanted to doubt, click that button 19,000 times.
7: I think for me, the biggest hurdle was, you know, I've been kind of throwing this idea around since 2017. And I had a big list of why I should not be a podcaster, and a smaller list of why I should. And, you know, this nagging voice in the back of my head that would be like, you know, you should just do this. And I'm like, no, because look at this really long list of why I should not. And finally, just, you know, probably, like Natalie said, COVID, I'm like, you know, this is the time to do it. It just was obvious that professionally and and personally that that I should do it so just getting over that list of why I shouldn't was the biggest hurdle for me
5: so can i ask how many of you guys started during the covid something with covid helped you create your material cuz that was definitely the true for us we we Heard do about a year to ago.
9: Yeah. So i know that Okay. Dead Men Do
1: Tales, you all just celebrated your 100th yeah. hundredth, hundredth episode or something? Oh, my wow. God. One year. <laughs> One year, or something day. like that. But I was like, wow, you all have been at this. Yeah. So maybe you're you're the elder states people here. Yes, guys. <laughs> <laughs> they just love sharp force injury. They really, <laughs> to, they really need to look into that. There are no happy stories
8: here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, sorry. I think murders forever. Yeah. Lori, did I interrupt
7: you? Yeah. No, I mean, just to touch on the COVID, I mean, for us, the elective surgeries, probably like everybody else, that volume uh, decreased significantly. And it it just opened a window, I guess, for me to be like, I'm going to try this and see what happens.
8: Yeah. For us, we had kind of joked about starting a podcast for a while. (laughs) And then so our biggest hurdle was just getting over the joking phase and getting into the let's legitimately do this
9: phase. <laughs> Quite literally. I was just looking it up because one of the um, questions was like, what are other title or um, titles, you consider titles for, for the podcast. podcast? So I looked up an old email that Nicole sent me and she literally <laughs> just emailed me with a bunch of like cover art and like options of names and stuff. And she just had a little bit of spare time and we were just kind of playing around. It was like, all right, let's do this. Let's actually do this. Yeah. And, and then doing some research to try, try and figure out
8: how to do it cost effectively yeah. in case it wasn't something we decided we wanted to keep doing. We didn't want to put a lot of upfront investment in like equipment and audio editing software. Yeah. So we still mostly do this on like yeah. a, a pretty tight budget. Yeah. We yeah. are
9: still residents. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I but think- yeah we were, we recorded, we rented equipment from UCSF at the beginning and then Nicole got a gift of a Yeti. And so now we own our own mic at least, but you know, we still use free
1: audio editing software from online. Uh-huh. <laughs> and- yeah, cool. It sounds really good. If you all are using free <laughs> software. Good work. I I think my biggest hurdle I've already addressed was my, you know, voices in my head. I had to overcome that.
0: For me, it was accepting the fact that good enough was okay, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: rather than perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to, you know, I wanted the sound to be perfect and I wanted the editing to be perfect and the artwork and the music and everything. And it just like, I knew that if I waited for everything to be perfect, I would never do it. So I had to get over that hurdle.
3: What according to you is, is a good length of an episode? I don't really think there's a definite length.
4: I think somewhere between 30 minutes and an hour. I think about how I use podcasts, which is when I'm unloading the dishwasher or folding mm-hmm. laundry. And mm-hmm. I think that it's nice to have sometimes a little bit of a longer episode so you can get in your groove and really start matching those kids' socks.
1: Christina, did you want to take a stab at that? 20 to 40 minutes. Okay. I
6: I feel like It really depends on what you're trying to do. So our our news segments have been a little on the shorter side, 20 to 30-minute side. IHC Talk always ends up being about an hour, um, no matter how much we record, it seems like. And I feel like that's just been a good length to kind of get all the questions and kind of put everything in the right sequence. So I I think it's kind of depending on what you're trying to do. Generally, it's been 30 minutes to an hour.
7: Hmm. Yeah, I would agree with Mike. I think it depends on what your your goal is. For me, you know, I come from it as I'm a busy mom. I don't have a lot of time. It's got to be my commute time. Like that's my goal within my commute time. So yes. my tend to be about 25, maybe 45 top. But like you said, it really depends on what your goal is and what the content is.
9: Yeah, ours is also really variable. We have I'm just looking at them now. One of them that was about um like what plants are edible was like an hour and 20 minutes long and what plants <laughs> will kill you. And then we have other like short <laughs> episodes, like on our anniversary episode, we did like dumb ways to die. And that was like half an hour. So oh, I think for us,
4: <laughs>
9: <laughs> awesome. um, so I think it's really dependent. Like I think ours usually sit around like the 45 minutes to an hour mark is pretty common for us, but we do kind of run the gamut from like, Obviously, forensics can be a very serious topic, and so those ones tend to take a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. And then we like to throw in some slightly less sad episodes that end up being a little bit shorter and a little easier to listen to.
8: And the plant one was fun, but I think the reason why it was a bit longer was because we did a lot of side chatter in that episode because it was just a really fun topic. You
9: all have
1: very good rapport. So that's uh, why a lot of people tune in for you as well. I, I honestly can say that I know we've talked a lot about outlines. I have found that my interviewees are the one, that's the reason why I started making outlines because a lot of people that I interview are not podcast listeners. I'm like, no, these are the things I'm going to ask you. And sometimes I make an outline and I think, oh, this show is going to be over in 25 minutes. And then it ends up lasting for an hour and a half. And I, I, I honestly just kind of let it go. So I think some of mine have been 45 minutes. And then I have some shows where I glue together more than one interview and those end up being much longer.
0: For me, I like to shoot for 30 to 45 minutes just because that's the length I like to listen to, um, I'll mostly listen to podcasts to and from work, and that's about forty minutes. So, I get if I can get through an episode, then I don't have to stop and do some you know at home and listen to the last five minutes or whatever it is. So, I try to shoot for that. Although uh, some have been shorter, and a few have been about an hour. So, I get I guess it depends on how much there is to to say.
2: Very interesting to hear everyone's take on this, actually, because um. I, I think I know why she asked this question, because she and I had a very long conversation about this when <laughs> we started. So with computationally yours, actually, we are on the shorter side of things. And I think there are multiple reasons to it. I won't go too long, but uh, because we are also doing weekly content, it, uh, and we are very con- we're very technical content heavy mm-hmm. episodes. Mm-hmm. So then it gets a lot. Um, we also don't know if we can hold everyone's attention if we're just talking about intense science all the time. So our episodes are more about uh, 20 to 25 minutes. That's mm-hmm. about our sweet spot, most of them. But that doesn't stop our interviewees from going very long because um, (laughs) there there have been times where one of the episodes we edited, it took 14 hours to edit because the content is like 45 minutes and you're trying to get it to 20 or something. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think I, I, Natalie, I agree with you. Having that outline a little bit and kind of explaining to the interviewees what you're aiming for Mm -hmm. has helped in the past. Uh, yeah. As one of my colleagues told me, scientists can be a little narcissistic. We love talking about ourselves. So just ask <laughs> someone what they do and they'll keep going. <laughs> I think a lot of I'm people are same. like
1: that. Yeah. But the other <laughs> thing, I wish I had kept track of how many people when I stopped recording, because I stop and then we still talk. How many people have said to me, wow, that was just like having a conversation that was so nice. And I'm just asking, like, what did you think I was going to do to you? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> what did you think I was like, do <laughs> It always makes me laugh. I'm like, you must think things about me that I don't think about myself, that I'm this um, hard nosed person. Um, so I think, Sarah, you're up now. So this is just a very brief technical question. What do you all use to edit the
6: audio? Do you we can wanna... skip
5: PathPod. We, well, we can uh, we I mean, I...
6: descript. Mm-hmm. Well, descript, but most of the episodes we've used um, Mixpad. That was what I initially picked out because. When I demoed it, I really liked that I could have a number of different tracks, which allowed me to lay audio in, Mm -hmm. uh, fade the volume, fade the balance. I I liked having a lot of control. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's probably a little more intimidating for other folks, but Mm -hmm. to me, I'm kind of computer geeky and I guess a bit of a control freak, so I kind of (laughs) liked having that level of control.
7: So, I use Audacity and I picked that mostly because I took a podcasting course because it became clear that wow. I could not figure out what microphone, what technology to use. So, I actually took a 15 hour podcasting course. How does one do that? What does that look like? Is that all, I assume it's all online. Yeah. So, I use Pat Flynn's, he's kind oh. of a guru in podcasting. Oh, sure. And so that's who I use. And for me, that was great. Cause I was just getting bogged down in, in, in several different areas. And so that sped up the process for me. So, but in short, I use Audacity.
8: We also use Audacity and that's because that was one of the top ones that came up when we were Googling. And at uh-huh. first we to edit the episodes together. Like we would record and then we would schedule a different day to sit down and <laughs> listen and both be editing at the same time. And that idea it became too cumbersome <laughs> and inefficient. So it's no yeah. Trade-off. yeah. <laughs>
9: And we used to record in Audacity as well, but then our computers started doing this weird thing where we would record the entire episode in Audacity and then like half of it would drop out and we would Mm -hmm. have to like try to record, re-record a bit. Um, And so now record in WavePad, export the MP3 to Audacity Mm -hmm. and edit in Audacity. Just because Audacity is surprisingly easy. Like there's a noise filter. It's pretty straightforward. And we don't really move around too many audio clips. We just kind of have our
1: intro bit and then the episode. We don't really do any fancy editing. I use uh, Zencaster to record, which I have found pretty user-friendly. I've had folks join the recording stream from their phones and it's even worked. So that's been nice because I have some people with connectivity issues And that's nice, too. It records the audio files separately and then sort of uses their computer to transmit it to my computer, which maybe some of these other ones, maybe WavePad does. I don't know. But it's not like recording a Zoom phone call where the audio fidelity can be a little bit tin can-ish. And then I use, like we said, Descript to edit, which was a recommendation from my very tech-savvy husband.
0: I actually just use GarageBand to edit uh, because it came free on my Mac. So it was very easy, and I already kn- knew how to use it. I like it, though, because it, it is easy to use. And I record with ringer, and I get the files in separate tracks. So I'm able to edit each track separately. So if there's a noise, noise that I make, I can edit that out while the other person is talking. Mm-hmm. And then now lately, I've been experimenting with different plugins for GarageBand noise reduction and reverb reduction and, and things like that.
2: I can answer this for us for uh, computational years. We do audacity too. So yeah, I'm a majority. I think the thing that we, editing was, The easy part, because I had done a lot of audio and video editing, I have very weird hobbies. And uh, some (laughs) of them included audio and video editing. But I think the thing that we actually tried many different software or, or platforms for was actually the recording interviews. We did Skype initially when we were doing these things. But Skype, because it merges the audio, it was just sometimes just bad quality. Sometimes it would do like an up uh, in the middle of words. Mm-hmm. Then we tried Ringer after speaking to Dennis, but for, just there was something weird about Ringer's audio quality, at least for, for what I was seeing. So now we finally okay. uh, ended up on Squadcast. Mm-hmm. I use that too. I I really like it. And we export it as separate audio tracks and that does make editing easy. But I mean, we don't have the stuff that you guys with, with so many, uh, with the quiz game show and everything, we don't have that many tracks. So it's much easier for us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's definitely gets more complicated. I think I've done a three person podcast and even that was a little, it was, it made it much more difficult. Right. Uh, Okay.
6: I think what made our first episode so long to edit was that I had way too much fun trying to move stuff around. And, you know, I actually went through and clipped people out and put each person in their own track so I could balance their volume. I moved people around a little bit on the left-right balance. So I, I had oh, way yeah. too much fun with the first yeah. episode, and
5: he made a lot of sound bites. So we have we have a lot of clapping between segments when someone gets something right. So that's actually him clapping several oh. times to make a sound bite. Wow! wow. I don't <laughs> know, the the,
9: the art. That little effort we put into the podcast. Yeah, we, I just record kind of and go, part. and the only thing I do is just chop out the
1: ums and the when people's dogs run in the room or their mom calls or something. That's well, we had
9: two episodes ago. I think my cat was chirping the entire time. And in the background there's just this like like the cat chirp where they're
1: watching a bird and we didn't yeah. bother editing that out. Oh just, no, I wouldn't. That's lovely. Yeah, I wouldn't I would
5: leave that in for sure.
1: Now we're on Christina.
5: So share a tip for making a podcast that you've found very valuable for you.
6: So I think kind of Christina you alluded to this before. Once you can figure out how to speak in a way that you don't have to do much editing that makes your life a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing that's made our life a lot easier is we've really encouraged people to get, um, headsets, fixed microphones, or mm-hmm. even like a couple of people are wearing right now. Um, you know, just even your iP- iP- iPad, uh, ear- iPhone earbuds, just something that gives you consistent audio from everybody. And that makes life so much easier. Yes.
7: Yeah. I agree with that. If your guests can have, um, AirPods, something it, it makes the audio quality so much better. And I, I know I shared this tip before, but you know I, I have it blocked out. But I do do my podcasting in my closet, and for me, it provides the best audio sound. Um, but also, it, I think it actually puts my guests at ease. They see that I'm in a closet, and suddenly it's just like, you know, these are people who don't tend to do a lot of interviews, yeah. and yeah. I know they're nervous. And I'm like, go in your closet. Let's be in our closets. And it's just, it just makes people I think more relaxed so yeah that's a good point
9: I think my number one tip is just like to pick a topic that you really really like like there's been a few episodes that we've done that have been like just less interesting subtopics and they've just been more difficult to like make yourself research or to Mm -hmm. get to and the ones that have been really fun like the plant one like there's just been a few random episodes that have just been super fun to research super fun to talk about And that's really when we can start going down some rabbit hole. and We have some fun side conversation Mm -hmm. and it makes for a better episode because we really enjoy the podcast topic itself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice as well. So I think I'm next. Just to follow up on what everyone's saying, I've sort of learned along the way. I wrote an outline for my first show, which was with a good friend of mine. But then I started learning as I went through. People are a little anxious about the process. So I actually have something that I cut and paste into the beginning of every outline that says like... This is a podcast. I won't record until I tell you I'm going to record. If you can wear a microphone, this is why I'd like you to wear a microphone. It helps with X, Y, and Z. And so they can read all of that. And, and sometimes I just cut and paste it into the email when I email them back and they agree to it because everyone has the same questions and it really brings everyone's anxiety down um, a level when you let them know, you know. This is why I need you to do it. And no, I'm not going to record you like turning your camera on and sneezing or something like that.
0: For me, I, my tip would be to be prepared to do your research. And one of, there's one podcast that I listen to all the time. And the the host is a former lawyer. And he said that, uh, never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to, or at least have some idea what the answer is going to be.
6: Mm
2: -hmm. So really good one actually uh, i actually agreed with like michael and laurie i the headset thing we've done a couple of interviews where people have used their laptop mics and you can you can make out that the quality of that
3: yeah. that
2: episode not very good uh, i don't have anything like groundbreaking i think our only tip has uh, been to kind of try to have fun with it i think uh, initially like the first couple of episodes we were taking ourselves very seriously and we when we go back and you listen to it you can actually hear we can hear it. I don't think people can hear it. Maybe they can, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, But but I can hear it that, oh, I'm just a little bit uptight. And then as we (laughs) started doing more and more episodes, I think just having fun with it just translates so well. And I think people respond very positively to those episodes as well.
3: I agree. The only thing I would like to add to that is that I think what has really helped is to have an outline, as you said, yeah. uh, having an outline and having like some sections. And then what that helps is that you can research a little bit more and add like fun facts or which can actually if like someone is someone's attention is wavering, then that comes back to that fun fact. and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yeah,
4: I think my tip is maybe the opposite of everyone else's, which is I think I must take this much less seriously than everyone else because my tip is anything can be fixed in editing. If I say (laughs) something goofy, I'll just edit it out. If you say something goofy, we'll just edit it out, and I actually say that to everybody, especially on our quiz show because we have residents, we have med students, and I think it can be a little bit intimidating for them. And so I always say, you know, we can edit anything out. You know, if you want to go back and take something out, you can, and I think. I think that puts everyone at ease, especially me, uh, because I think we just kind of go into it and we have questions written, but we really don't have, especially for the quiz show, a very strict outline of what we're going to say, what we're going to talk about. We leave it very, very open ended. And I think that having that freedom definitely leads to some more time consumption on the back end editing. But I do think that for me personally, I've never been nervous about the podcast because I know if I say something silly, it's not going in the show because I'm taking it out. <laughs>
9: so that's lovely. Yeah, we have this thing yeah. where one of us will just be like, cut, 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 because we know like whatever we just said,
4: we're going to edit when we <laughs> yeah.
1: go through later. When I do that, oh. I just clap really loud so I can go back and find it, and I'm like, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, see, that's a great <laughs> yeah. tip, right there. Yes, yeah. so I do that That's a, good yeah. that's a very yeah. good one. I like that. Yeah, that way it, you can see it went on the mm-hmm. waveform.
6: So I think Sarah's absolutely right. You know, it's really put guests at ease to say, oh, mm-hmm. we can fix this later, and it's really. I think it's really facilitated the conversational style and I think that's what a lot of us go for because it works really well. So we mentioned earlier that COVID gave a lot of us the time to start thinking about putting this together. What actually in your head got you to think, I want to do this, I'm interested in doing this, I want to host or get involved with a podcast?
7: For me, it was kind of multifocal and I'll just point out a few. One was as a private practice pathologist, I don't have a ton of interaction with trainees. I mean, they do rotate through, but I don't have them every day. And I really kind of wanted to give back and kind of share, hey, what, here's what I've learned along the way with different topics that I thought were appropriate to both trainees and colleagues that were younger than me. And then I also just wanted to focus on topics for women in, in healthcare really that span, like I said before, multiple specialties and multiple positions within healthcare. And finally, I just really wanted to highlight um, wor- amazing work that women are doing in healthcare, where, whether it's a journal article or um, an innovative idea. For example, I have an episode on robots in the lab, you know, just highlighting the amazing work women in medicine are doing. So those were the reasons why I wanted to start my podcast.
8: Yeah, we also had several reasons, but the the biggest one was we were walking to one of our orientation barbecues our second year. And one of the things we had bonded over was our love of true crime podcast. So we were talking about my favorite murder, I think, in a recent episode where they had mentioned some aspect of the autopsy and they just got it so wrong. So wrong. And we <laughs> thought that we could fill this niche within the the true crime fan community of providing that professional knowledge. We also both really like education, so having the opportunity to teach not just lay people, but other people that are in the medical
9: field what we do. And then I think the other thing was, as you all know, when you go through AP residency, (laughs) you get to do maybe a month of forensics, which for us isn't nearly enough. Like We fill our elective time with it, obviously, but we wanted a chance to learn about it. So the other reason to do the podcast was like we get to learn and research one of the topics that we're passionate about. And so, you know, it's a good excuse to dive into something that we otherwise wouldn't get to learn about.
5: Yeah.
8: It's also a good excuse to spend time together that feels more productive than just like,
9: wow, thanks.
5: (laughs) Yeah. When you guys spend time together, you can put it on your CV.
1: (laughs) Well, we're going to be sharing an office together next year. So
5: we're going to spend
1: a lot of time together. So have you found the true crime community to be some of the people who end up listening to you and interacting with you about your podcasting?
8: Yeah, actually, through Twitter, um, a podcast host from a show called Just The Tipsters, uh, she reached out to us and we did an interview with her on a couple days ago, a couple
9: days ago. And so that podcast episode is actually going to air on Monday. And they're about like, you know, giving tips for cold cases, essentially. And I guess they just got some tip from some recent cold case. but. She was looking for forensic pathology podcasts and found us, which is crazy.
1: Yeah, the up. true crime podcast, cool. it's like a real, I, I remember I listened to that serial the first yep. season, like everyone else probably. <laughs> and I did not realize that that was just like the NPR tip of that iceberg. It's it's yeah, like it's a huge whole community of people. So I can imagine that you, if you all can tap into that. We definitely are more niche than most of, <laughs> yeah. than what most people like to come are. I think we have like
9: 300-ish solicitors for yeah. Buzzsprout, but you know. Yeah. But, and probably
8: because we don't, like, like there's way more to forensic pathology yeah. than the criminal justice aspect. Yeah. Like yeah. only yeah. 10 to 15% of cases are yeah. homicides. So the majority yeah. of what we do is more public healthy. So yeah. we don't spend a lot yeah. of time in that
9: realm in actuality. Right. No. But I think yeah, those yeah. are the episodes that may probably have more listens.
1: Yeah, I well, people love the gory details. I actually did moonlighting as an Emmy person in residency. So when you say you didn't get enough exposure to it, I wanna say I got plenty. <laughs> 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 Fine, but, uh, what, funny we're just spending more time there but the average yeah, exactly exactly but the one thing i will say that always bothers me about autopsies on television is that they're always in the dark i'm just like oh, yeah. what are yeah. you doing because the places i've done autopsy have like really obnoxious lighting it's like too much light and you want to turn the lights down because by the end of the day your eyes hurt and I, just, our, I don't get it
9: one of the yeah. recent episodes we released was called there's a movie called the autopsy of jane doe which is more supernatural, but like we essentially okay. watched it and then we critiqued it for what's <laughs> real autopsy and what's not real autopsy. Yeah.
8: Um, the lighting was one yeah. thing and then PPE is the yeah. other major thing. Like <laughs> <So> nobody's <laughs>
1: like
9: gloves or wearing masks. So we wanted to squash all that. So that was one of the big reasons that we ended <laughs> <laughs> <into> up podcasting. <Yeah. laughs> Love you it.
6: Guys, I think you guys have done a great job really talking about yeah. the real life aspect yeah. of autopsy I'm, I'm waiting for hollywood to reach out to you guys to be a <laughs> consultant yeah
1: especially with the interplay between the two of you i think the same thing about sava arshi too though you can tell when you all talk to one another that you're friends and it comes through you know it's lovely and then obviously the PathPod people you guys are like next level with your quiz shows and everything i think that yeah. what got me Interested in starting the podcast, I've been thinking about it for a long time. My original idea was to have um, like AP and CP. And then during COVID, I thought I wanted to start doing it. And one of the main reasons I started then was because I was so isolated from everyone. So it was a nice way for me to reach out to folks. And as I've gone on, I have felt actually, um, to echo what Nicole and Jordan were saying, that the way that I find the most reward from doing the shows is to do something that I'm passionate about. And so lately I've been doing a lot of things about medical education, how people are changing the ways they're teaching during the pandemic and also underrepresented groups in medicine and just offering people voices. I do think it's important to reach out to people who have stories to tell that often don't get highlighted in medicine.
0: Mine is, well, Natalie, I I told you the story the the last time we talked, I think it came out of, I was having a conversation with another PA that I know her name's Elise Gray and she, she and I were both fans of uh, some of the same podcasts and we were talking about, you know, there aren't really any for people like us, for people that work in the lab, although it turns out th- there are, and I think a lot of you kind of started around the same time. So it started out of that. And she said, you know, I'm writing a book, so you should start a podcast because she's always encouraging me to do crazy things. And she said, you should start a podcast and then you can interview me about my book. And I'm like, all right, great. So I've got, you know, first episode right there. (laughs) So that's 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 how it started.
2: Yeah. Ours actually so similar to Natalie, I'd been thinking for a very long time. So Mm -hmm. this was like a thought brewing in my head. And then with COVID, what ended up happening was that you know, with all that, with the whole idea of misinformation out there, Mm -hmm. it's not like I was only giving out a quote, we were not doing a COVID podcast, but the whole idea that we just need better science podcasts out there, things that people listen to, why not put good information out there? Mm -hmm. So as with many things I've done in my life, I picked up the phone and I called Arshi. Arshi and I have been (laughs) friends for 10 years and we've done some crazy things together. I think we talk about it in one of our podcasts as well. And uh, you'll hear her. Her point of view as well, but we started talking about this, and one of the things that i done research on what does it take to create a podcast I had all the basic outline done, but one of the things that I read was that never start a podcast on a topic where you can 't plan or you can 't think of at least one hundred episodes
6: mm-hmm.
2: and um, oh. so the first thing that we thought of uh, you know with computational biology because it 's so interdisciplinary and it touches so many things, so our podcast is not just pathology it 's epidemiology, it's public health, it's statistics, it's data science. So we figured, you know, that, you know, there's just so much we had to say. So, for example, with respect to COVID, we had two, uh, three episodes, I think, one on contact tracing, one on microbial genomics, completely different things. And then one which just came out last, uh, last week, which was we actually interviewed a panel of four people. And these were just like comments that we got from four pathology labs that have brought on covid testing and kind of their point of view of you know what has been the biggest challenges for them to mm-hmm. bring on covid testing in their labs and i thought it was like each of these have been so different from each other but you know it's just our way of like adding good information out there i think that was a long way of just saying that arshi you might have more to add
3: I agree with the whole range that uh, we are presenting. And I think that's kind of, you realize that I, I listen to a lot of statistical based podcasts myself because I'm a biostatistician and I realized there was uh, there's a sweet spot missing for computational biology and genomics. So that's what we and Sabah and I, that's what we do in our day jobs. So we wanted to cover more on that. And, and since we've been in the field, I think we know a lot of people who would who we would love to have over and speak to them. So that's how it, it all started.
7: So my question for the group is, what other names or artwork did you consider for your podcast?
3: So I
9: actually went back and looked up that email that Nicole sent
7: <laughs> me originally.
9: And I had totally forgotten that these were things that she originally sent me. So besides Dead Men Do Tell Tales, which she set it on, she had the After Party and the Postmortem Pod, both of which I thought were great. Nicole is a very creative human, although she'll never admit it. And it came up with some great artwork and it kind of just fell together really well.
1: I don't think I had any other ideas. I, I, I obviously love puns. It's one of my, you know, I, I write a newsletter. I always try and come up with a puns, although I will say last month I had to come up with one about the vulva that was tricky, but I did it. Yeah, it was
0: great. <laughs> I loved it.
1: <laughs> so I, I think deeper levels was just something that kind of popped in my head. And then it mm-hmm. was that.
0: I, I didn't have a different title. It just kind of, people of pathologies kind of came to me one day, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty good. And it was the same kind of thing, like that's good enough. So I, you know, (laughs) went with that.
1: Let's get going. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, The logo I used an app called I think it's called Brand Crowd, or it's a website, and they have like logo templates, and you just kind of play around with the colors and the pictures. And and I I knew the color scheme that I kind of wanted to have, and I had to play around with the the letter font for a while and then yeah it was like all right that looks good we'll go with that
6: mm-hmm.
2: we had i think 30 different names we went through uh, we yeah. had a github page where we would just keep adding names as we came <laughs> up with them uh, we started I, I, really technical but we started very
3: technical
2: Yeah, I have a few. And then I'm going to let Arshi tell you her favorite previous ones as well. (laughs) So mine, um, the couple that I liked was uh, All Things Comp Bio. And then there was Comp Bio Talkies. And then there was Comp Bio Worse, And there were a lot of different pun ish. Titles as well, which I'm not going to insult us with. (laughs) We had like some naturally binary and some weird stuff going. And with computationally yours, there was just like a sound to it somehow.
4: We rejected it actually, initially. And then we came back to it. For PathPod, we had initially uh, wanted to call it the Path Life Podcast. And then I think I like to, you know, move words around and stick them together. So I suggested PathPod. And uh, I think it was a group decision, right? Dem- democracy, democracy. Yes, nods. <laughs> yes. Yes, leader. <laughs> <Yes>, and- <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> See, <laughs> see, democratic. And our logo actually, um, so Comron is is really good with these things. And he mocked up several logos. Our logo is a little uh, microscope I with- uh, I can't see it. Uh, yeah, it's hard. So it's a little microscope with coming out of the top with sound waves. And the, the there's some H&E pictures around the, the outline. And it, it feels like now that we have that as our name, that PathPod was always going to be the name uh, of the podcast. Okay, cool.
9: So, my first question is Where do you guys get your podcast topic ideas from? Ours is kind of a mismatch, a mis- mix. Ma-
8: okay, mismatch, anyway. mismatch. <laughs> Cut that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, at first, we were kind of doing introductory topics like what's the difference between a medical examiner and a coroner system, or RIGOR, Algor. Very broad, g- general introductory topics. I think mostly nowadays it's current events is a big thing. Yeah. So we did our mm-hmm. COVID episode and an in custody death episode after the murder yeah. of George Floyd. That was really yeah. good. really Yeah, And then uh, otherwise it's kind of just like, oh, I really am interested in researching more about this topic. So can we do this episode? And usually the other person's like, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's great. Um, I would say that My episode ideas, there's an ongoing series that I have on why people became interested in being GYN pathologists, which is my subspecialty, one of my subspecialties. And so that one would be a recurring one. And other than that, I do shows that I'm interested in, people that I really admire. I have just cold emailed them and some of them email me back. And so I found that very Mm -hmm. rewarding. I get
0: ideas from a few different places. One, like just scrolling through Twitter and I'll go, well, that person sounds interesting. And then I can message them right away. Also the pathologist magazine, I'll read, I'll read that and look at whoever wrote the article and try to email them. Also the, the ASCP blog, uh, a lot of the people that write on that, I've, I've talked to them too. And then I started doing like reaching out to other podcasters uh, like Lori and a couple other ones. And then I would interview them about their podcast so that, that was kind of fun too and I can you know not only they can tell their story but I can get little tips from them as well.
2: Ours is a mixed bag actually we don't have one great answer. We tend to think about things that inspire us or things we want to talk about things we've Uh, been inspired by in the past or we've always wanted to have a point of view about it. Um, We're new. We've only had 14 episodes. Like I said, we we have a spreadsheet where we have about 40 ideas already written down about people we want to interview or uh, topics we want to talk about. But something that really helps is brainstorming with Arshi. Both of us tend to bring ideas that we've been thinking about. We're in different cities. We're not in the same city. I'm in Chicago. She's in New York. So we tend to have weekly calls and we discuss what are the ideas we've been thinking about. And then a completely unrelated third idea comes out of it. Mm-hmm. We <laughs> tend to work very well that way. We've always been like that. We started off dancing together and coming up with crazy ideas dancing. And then that's
1: moved over to science now. <laughs> now that's intriguing. <laughs> you just <laughs> drop that into the conversation. That's amazing. Like that in.
5: <laughs> <laughs> So for PathPod, the game show, I just, for my segment of writing the questions, I open up the book and wherever it falls, that's where I write the questions. And the real thought comes into who's going to be on the show. We try to make sure it's a mix of equal representation of women and men. and We try to make it as diverse as possible. We have a faculty, a resident, and a med student guest to kind of capture, you know, every stage. And we initially kind of, like Dennis's approach, we pick someone based on their personality on Twitter and who seems to be like open and willing to be silly and wild with us and who's got an interesting story. Well, it turns out everyone has an interesting story. We just they may not have it out there or not. Now, now that we've been out a little bit, we've had people write us wanting to be so now we have an excel of list of people who want to be on which is nice because we hate to feel like we're pressuring someone to be on in this way And, and the quiz show particularly is just extremely silly so now we have people who know what they're getting into who who are on the list
6: we've really crowdsourced a lot of the content and ideas and and getting people involved so everybody's own segment for example news you know meredith Pittman has been doing that entirely on her own and she just delivers on audio file to us that we kind of put the end caps on and the intro and it's ready to go. She's really focused on bringing current things to the show. IHC Talk has been looking at a range of interesting people, interesting topics, you know, recent papers. So yeah, it's, it's really been a, a big group effort and kind of whatever we think would work. And if we can find somebody who's interested in doing it, we'll just, we'll record it and see what happens.
7: Yeah. I had mentioned, you know, how I use papers and journal articles, but Similar to what you're talking about in terms of using your fan base, some really great ideas have come out from individuals who have emailed me, similar to what you're talking about, and ideas that I never would have thought about. In fact, that list, I talked about that very long list of why I shouldn't be a podcaster. One of them was, you know, you need 100 episodes or whatever. And in this COVID era, you know, I have my list. A lot of that I haven't touched because I just feel like things are so moving so fast and the problems are so unique right now that it's there's a lot of content right now that's just waiting for us all to talk about.
8: So if you had to start a podcast about any other topic, what would it be?
1: Oh, I thought we were going to do the jo- the joke one. I had a joke up. <laughs> so no, oh, no jokes, please. <laughs> please, no.
9: I don't have one. Are we going to do a second question or no?
1: I don't think we'll have time, but I will tell you a pathology joke. It's a bad one. Definitely, let's do the 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 joke joke one one. Uh, then. I'll just do both. I'll do them quickly. If I had to start a podcast about any other topic, what would it be? This is like asking me what would I do if I weren't a physician. The answer is I would either be a teacher or a lawyer. And my favorite pathology joke, what's the difference between an introverted pathologist and an extroverted pathologist? And the answer is um, an introverted pathologist looks at their shoes while they're talking to you, and an extroverted pathologist looks at your shoes while they're talking (laughs) to you. And I tell people that joke to tell them, we're not all like that. Some of us are, and some of us are.
0: not Starting a podcast about another topic, I, I don't know, I guess maybe music or i mean i'm a runner so maybe maybe running something like that i, I can tell the joke though
1: yeah joke right. joke joke have you have, yes. have you heard
0: the the duck hunting joke no okay so a pathologist a radiologist and a surgeon go duck hunting and uh they hear they hear a a bird flying overhead and the radiologist looks up and he says well It's about the size and shape of a duck, but it could also be a goose. It could also be a hawk. Uh, The surgeon looks up, aims his gun and shoots, turns to the pathologist and says, what kind of bird is that?
2: (laughs) I don't think I could do a podcast about anything else. <laughs> I, I dancing?
1: I mean, I would listen to <laughs> the podcast. No, we will no, it's it's a do a idea. dancing episode. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Maybe an interstitial <laughs> at Christmas or Thanksgiving or something. <laughs> Just a lighter I, one.
3: <laughs> I'm going to take you up on that idea. I think somebody, <laughs> that's a good idea. <laughs> uh, but uh, Okay, Ashik, I, you can do this. <laughs> I, I was actually thinking about uh, the question. And, and I think I would uh, like to start, uh, if I knew the topic really well, that is something to do with psychology. And I think there are a couple of podcasts out there that do talk about psychology and human behavior, but something about like spreading more awareness about mental health, I think. But uh, since we're doing two questions, uh, Saba actually told me a very good joke uh, <laughs> earlier about science. Uh, I think she should answer that. Oh. Oh, oh yeah so there was this thing going on on twitter
2: actually i read it usually i never remember jokes but i remember this one which was uh, i have a joke about mrna but it does not translate very well
7: <laughs> oh no
5: <Love> it. <laughs> do i up. do not take credit for <laughs> it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I don't have any jokes to share. My backup career would have probably been in journalism. Other careers I'm thinking about now are life coaching. If I were to do another podcast, it would be probably on my pandemic hobbies, which are grammar and gardening. What about you, Mike? What would you be your backup podcast? I don't know. Sound editing.
3: Obviously, uh, I think <laughs> I, sports. I, I, I think,
1: think you would do sports.
6: sports. Sports, is probably in the running. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be glad to get involved in editing. <laughs>
1: you look like you could be on a ESPN situation right now. You're, <laughs> you're, I don't know. What do they call those people? The booth people or something? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Got a good
6: headset for it, I guess. For real, <laughs> right? And it's too bad Sarah dropped off because her puns. I've I've just been so impressed with her puns. That she's written for the game show. It's really. She's it's just hard
1: to come up with good creative. puns. Yeah, it takes a lot of time, or maybe I, unless her mind just works that way. Maybe. She's I've looking.
6: seen the script several times ahead of the show and read it and been like, "How did she come up with this? This is, <laughs> this is genius."
5: Or I would tell, I would tell Sarah, "Like, Sarah, are you sure anyone's going to get this? This is so hard." <laughs> <laughs> and when she reads them, I'm like sweating, like, "Oh my gosh, are we going to stress them out?" And they, she, they get it because she's really good about how she does it.
7: A uh, couple ideas. One, actually, I really love IHC and I know PathPod has got that. So no competition. But I mean, if I would have started one earlier, I probably would have geeked out totally and done one just on IHC because I love IHC topics and issues. On the fun side, I really love gardening too. So Christina, maybe in our future, we can uh, Let's think about it. Let's do it. My garden with COVID. Thanks to COVID. My garden's amazing this year. So.
9: Oh, good. So other podcasts, my big thing outside of, you know, the whole residency thing that eats your life, I play rugby. And so I would probably, if I had more time to spend on it and go in detail and watch more film, it would probably be a rugby related podcast. Cool.
5: That's um,
1: amazing. My, yeah.
9: Thank you. And my joke is a pickup line that I'm going to use on Nicole. <laughs> 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 I, wish I, were, <laughs> I wish I were your coronary arteries. Why? So I'd be wrapped around your heart. It's oh, actually painful
1: oh, <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine the person that would work on Nobody, that's why it's so good you like, what are you talking about?
8: What's
0: I'm good? going to say that to my wife as soon as we're done here <laughs>
9: okay.
8: So this one I actually learned from a friend It's not a pickup line It's uh, so, <laughs> so why are ants always getting sick? Because they have very tiny antibodies.
1: Oh! (laughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You all are great. So uh, this was super fun. I want to thank everyone for joining us. I know this took a Herculean amount of back and forth thing over email. I think we've been trying to do this for months. So it was really great that we all got together. And I hope we can all continue on our journeys and talk again soon across platforms because I think this was really rewarding. And I thank you all. Reed. Thanks for
7: having thank us. Thank you it so, so much. It was a lot of
1: fun. Yeah, yeah, thank, you thank you so
2: much. Yes.
1: Thank yeah. You. Yeah, bye. Yeah, thanks bye. so much. Thank you. Bye, everyone.
3: Right.
0: Yeah. Great big thanks to Dr. Natalie Benet, Dr. Sarah Jang, Dr. Christina Arnold, Dr. Michael Arnold, Dr. Laurie Ryan, Dr. Jordan Taylor, Dr. Nicole Kroom. Dr. Saba Kadri and Arshi Aurora. There won't be much for show notes on this episode, but I will have links to all of the other podcasts. And really, if you're not listening to all of these shows, you should be. You can find those links at peopleofpathology.podbean.com. And of course, you can follow this show on Twitter at People of Path. If you like this episode, please share it with someone you know, and together, let's inspire the next generation of pathologists and laboratory professionals. I am a member and the CFO of the American Association of Pathologist Assistants. This show does not necessarily represent the views of the AAPA and receives no financial support from the AAPA. Thank you very much for listening, and I will talk to you next time on the People of Pathology podcast.